back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Hope everyone has had a great Lunar New Year. We are in the year of the tiger. Before we start the new podcast episode, I've put up a new drama uh page for the drama I've been currently watching, which is Liu Guangzhicheng, or City of Streamer, currently airing on Tengxun. It features Jing Tian, who I've become obsessed with after her display in Siteng, or Rattan, last year. I've put a little blurb on our website in case anyone is interested in learning more about the drama and chasing it as well. I've also written up my latest review for Feng Qi Luoyang, which is also on our website. That drama has the first episode on YouTube, but the rest is on ITE. For today, we are going to be discussing episode 60 of the story of Minglan, Zhifou, Zhifou, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us via email or on Instagram and Twitter at Chasing Dramas. For this episode, we actually do a ton of character analysis and provide book context for a variety of characters. Through the book, we get a better understanding of certain characters' motivations and backgrounds, as well as how this all ties back to Minglan. In the last episode, the despicable Aunt Kang tried to seriously weaken Minglan and Gu Tingye by sticking one of her Shu Chu daughters on them as a concubine. She is the type of woman who doesn't care at all for the lives of the women and children in her household and is fully ready to use them for her personal gain. Thankfully, Grandma Sheng was able to see through Aunt Kong's ploy rather quickly and helped Minglan solve her dilemma swiftly. Unfortunately, in the entire Sheng family, the only person that actually cares about Minglan is Grandma Sheng. After Grandma Sheng returns back to the Sheng household, she roundly told off Madame Wang, who is sister to Aunt Kong, for maintaining close relationship with her despite Grandma Sheng's orders to stay away. Episode 60 begins with Madame Wang coming back to see Grandma Sheng after having a short chat with her sister. Madame Wang reports to Grandma Sheng that she spoke to her sister but doesn't think she's able to make any impact on Aunt Kong. Grandma Sheng dismisses Madame Wang's explanation as she never actually thought Madame Wang would truly care about Minglan or truly make a case on behalf of the Sheng family as to why Aunt Kong's um, behavior was out of line, extremely out of line. So instead... Grandma Sheng dishes out an extremely and incredibly harsh punishment. Madame Wang is to kneel in the hall for the entire day. This is a humiliation for Madame Wang because, as she cries, she is the Madame of the house. What will the staff think? She will be openly gawked at by the entire household. Her reputation within the family and her gravitas will be greatly diminished after this. But, as Grandma Sheng refuted, Madame Wang has never really respected her. 
Madame Wang has ignored most things Grandma Sheng has asked for, and Grandma Sheng has let it slide because Madame Wang was bullied before by Mistress Lin. But it's created an environment where Madame Wang is now too spoiled because Mistress Lin is no longer here. And so Madame Wang is left outside to serve out her punishment while crying silent tears at her supposed injustice and is furious when she's finally able to get up and leave. Elsewhere, the evil stepmother-in-law, Madame Qin, and her headmaid, Xiang Mama, are in the Gu family shrine. This is a rather interesting set design choice, which works for the scene. Xiang Mama reports that Ming Lan and Grandma Sheng have already sent the proposed concubine away in the night. Both of these women are actually quite impressed with how decisive Minglan acted, and Xiang Mama even urges Madame Qin that maybe it's time to back off. Madame Qin, though, says there's only two options. One is for Gu Tingyi to boil her with fire, and the second is to find her own path that makes her happy. I just want to say, can you just please calm down? Who told you that there are only two paths? Can you not recognize that Minglan and Gu Tingye only retaliate when provoked? Otherwise, they're perfectly fine. And I think that's probably the best way to live. Don't go out actively provoking drama, but have the capacity and capability to respond when instigated. However, I do think this woman is actually just really sad. As she shares with Xiang Mama, her aim is to push Gu Tingye to despair, just like his father. Her husband, the late Marquis and father to Gu Tingye, prayed to be with his first wife and, coincidentally, Madame Qin's older sister. As we learn from Madame Qin, even though her older sister had a myriad of issues and was not the ideal wife, the late Marquis solely liked her. No matter how virtuous or capable any other woman is, he only had eyes for her. Once she died, all that was left was an empty shell. That is why Madame Qin thinks that she must kill Sheng Minglan. Once Sheng Minglan is dead, Gu Tingye will also become a shell of a human being. At that point, he will essentially be useless. And even if Minglan's child survives, the child's drama with its stepmother uh, that Gu Tingye will have to marry will be another great comfort for Madame Qin as it'll be a great show to watch. This is absolutely phenomenal acting from the woman Wang Yinan who plays Madame Qin. From her plan to kill Minglan, we can see how hollow her life has been and can now more understand her hatred for the Gu family. She married into the household as the third wife to the late Marquis and stepmother to his children. Evidently, her marriage was empty because it's implied that the Marquis didn't show much affection for her despite how capable she was. Therefore, she's taking all of her anger out on Gu Tingye and Minglan for their success and taking away the title of Marquis from her son, which I believe she thinks she's due due to all the hardships she has endured in the household in her life. This is an illuminating scene for us, the audience, to give context as to why exactly she is so antagonistic 
towards Minglan and Gu Tingye, or Gu Tingye for the past however many years Gu Tingye has been alive. Karen talked about this in the last episode that which means that people who are hated must also have reasons to be pitied. This is perhaps why Madame Qin is the way she is. Not that we condone any of it, but maybe we get some insight to her character. The real culprit is again the archaic and patriarchal society she lives in. But alas, we can only change the present. So, to recap here, previously, Madame Qin only wanted to seize the marquee title from Gu Tingye and make Minglan suffer a bit. Now, Madame Qin is hell-bent on their deaths. It kind of reminds me of a Disney villain who finally is declaring his or her grand plan with an evil grin. Even the lighting is like, yep, the villain, the mastermind villain has arrived and she's up to no good. You can tell they thought this out very carefully because she is shrouded in darkness, but there's only a glint of light and that is around her eyes. And it's very menacing, very piercing. She is just plotting her entire uh, future away in this very ominous uh, shrine or atmosphere. Back at the Sheng Manor, the eldest daughter, Hua Lan, gets wind of her mother's punishment and rushes over that evening to console her mother. In this scene, we see once again how short-sighted Madame Wang is and how big of a miracle it is that she was able to raise such a wonderful daughter in Hua Lan. Madame Wang is bawling her eyes out from the shame of being punished earlier that day. She laments that she spent decades serving this household only to be roundly punished for it in the end. Madame Wang still does not understand why she was so harshly punished. Hua Lan tries to put everything in perspective for her mother. Aunt Kong has always berated Milan. Why on earth would Milan respect her? She is also of no blood relation. Why would Milan do anything for her? The Sheng family even knows not to bother Minglan when she's pregnant. Aunt Kong has absolutely no shame and barges up to the Gu family to try to A, cozy up to the Gu family, and B, put Minglan in her place. Madame Wang is still trying to side with her sister, Aunt Kong. Ugh. I wanted to shake this idiotic woman awake. Madame Wang says... Oh, Milan is of no blood relation to me. She's way harder to control. It would be much easier if we had a concubine of um, Kang Zhao in because she's, I don't know, somehow more easily controlled by Aunt Kang. And I'm like, hello, by that logic, she's not related to any of you either. Hualan is much more patient. She informs her mother that no matter what, Milan and herself Hualan, that is, and the rest of their siblings are blood relations. No matter what happens, Minglan will help the Sheng family. If also because of Grandma Sheng, why would she think that she would help uh, the Kong family at all? Like, how would Madame Wang benefit? This is the point that needs to be hammered into Madame Wang's brain over and over again. And Karen, do we think that this point is hammered into her head? Nope. Oh my gosh. 
Madame Wang's current issue is that she's feeling lonely in the Sheng family, and Aunt Kong is the only one who will talk to her. Well, let's be real. The reason why that no one really wants to talk to her is because she's not on the same page as everyone else. Everybody else has some more intellect. And I think they've all come to the conclusion to not talk to her <laughs> because Madame Wong will inevitably screw things up. Well, as mother and daughter finish the conversation, one very important news is shared. Madame Wong's family will soon arrive in the capital. This includes her formidable mother and relatively meek brother and his wife. Sure enough, the Wong family arrives in the capital and soon join the Sheng family for lunch. We have in attendance from the Wong family, Grandma Wong, the matriarch of the Wong family, Uncle Wong, Grandma Wong's only son and eldest of her children, Aunt Wong, so wife of Uncle Wong. We have Aunt Kang, the eldest daughter of uh, Grandma Wong, and Madam Wong, the youngest daughter and wife of Sheng Hong. In attendance from the Sheng family, we have Grandma Sheng, Sheng Hong, and Ming Lan. The meal is cordial for about two seconds before Aunt Kang starts trying to find something anything to gross out Minglan, including asking where Rongjie, Minglan's stepdaughter, is for the meal. Aunt Kang is clearly trying to sow discord between Minglan and Rongjie. Before Minglan responds, this time it's actually Madame Wang and Sheng Hong who step in to stop Aunt Kang from continuing the topic. Good for them! Aunt Kang continues to persist, but her own mother, Grandma Wang, stops her. Aunt Kong finally shuts up, and we also learn from the conversation that Grandma Wong knows a lot about Ming Lan and her household. For example, Grandma Wong just let slip that Rongjie is of XXS age, and Ming Lan's like, how would Grandma Wong know that? Hmm, that's very interesting. However, Dan Ju, one of Ming Lan's headmaids, comes in to disrupt the meal. She hurriedly comes to inform Minglan that Madame Zhang is going into labor and is experiencing some trouble. She, Madame Zhang, requests Minglan's presence. With that, Minglan takes her leave. If you recall, Minglan helped Madame Zhang create a relationship with her newly wedded husband, Shen Guojiu, the brother of the current empress and a capable general. Due to this, Minglan and Madame Zhang are incredibly close. Madame Zhang is also the daughter of the Duke and Duchess of Ying, so coming from an incredibly powerful family, which will be important later on. Before we head over to the Shen household to see what's going on with Madame Zhang, we get a rather fantastic scene at the Kong Manor. Aunt Kong is telling her son that she can try to get him a position through her Wang family connections. The conversation is interrupted by Mr. Kong, Aunt Kong's husband, who dismisses their son and then gets to the point. He is furious that the entire world knows Aunt Kong tried to sell off his daughter except for him. Aunt Kong doesn't deny any of it and tries to justify her actions. She thinks that with Zhao and the Gu family, this will mean better connections for the Kong family. This dream is shattered when Mr. Kong tells her that Zhao Er has already been sent off to Youyang to be married there. 
Aunt Kong is dumbfounded and even more furious that her plan was foiled. Let's remind uh, our listeners that she doesn't know where Zhao is. She still thinks that she's wreaking havoc in the Wu family. Aunt Kong continues to yell and scream at her husband, which culminates in him slapping her across the face. He storms off, but she's now even more resolute that she will not let Minglan live well. Again, <clears throat> why? She has too much time on her hands. This is the only time we see this Kong Hai Feng or this Mr. Kong. In the brief conversation, we are affirmed as to why he's not a good husband. Yeah, he is a terrible husband. Overall terrible man. Number one, he did not know his daughter was essentially sold off, which means he does not care about his children, especially his shu chu children. If he cared, he probably was like, would be like, I haven't seen you in a couple days. What's going on? But no. Number two, his primary concern is more about his reputation and face than anything else. He said he was humiliated when Sheng Hong told him about his daughter's current whereabouts and the note that he should stop treating Zhao's mother poorly. He did not care about their well-being, but more that he was humiliated. Number three, he is one of those men who touched his wife's dowry to fill financial gaps in his own family. We talked about this quite a bit in previous episodes. Men who use the money from their wife's dowry are looked down upon, even though we have now seen several examples of men who do this. And not only does he use his wife's dowry to fill financial gaps, he uses them specifically so he can buy more concubines and father more children. Overall, I do feel bad for Aunt Kong for having picked this degenerate to marry. But she picked him. Probably a lot of her anger stems from the woes in her marriage, but also, as we can and will discuss later, her mother's spoiling. Now, let's get back to the next conflict in the episode that will also persist into the following episodes. Minglan, who is herself pretty pregnant, rushes over to the Shen household to help her friend Madame Zhang, who is currently in labor. It turns out that Madame Zhang is in labor early because of a little tryst with the concubine of the household, Mistress Zhou. Remember that this Mistress Zhou is the younger sister of the former Madame of the house, Madame Zhou, the first wife to Shen Guojiu, who tragically passed away to save the Empress. Madame Zhang is the second wife of Shen Guojiu, but he also then brought in Mistress Zhou as a concubine. This woman has been causing nothing but issues. And upon seeing Madame Zhang's poor state, Minglan is immediately taken back to her own childhood when she saw her poor mother die during labor. The circumstances right now are eerily similar. We don't see direct flashbacks, but from the language that Minglan uses, you can tell she is certainly stressed at being reminded of what happened. The imperial doctor that the household had requested is nowhere to be seen while Madame Zhang is screaming in pain. Everyone is at a loss at what to do except for Minglan. 
She is trying to do everything she can to prevent her friend from befalling the same fate as her mother who passed away because a doctor couldn't arrive in time. Apparently, the concubine, Mistress Tso, has accosted the doctor in her own yard. Thinking quickly as to what to do next, Minglan rallies a group of servants to head over to Mistress Tso's yard, but not before unsheathing a sword and carrying it with her. Sure enough, Mistress Tso and her despicable brother had contained the imperial doctor in her yard. The excuse they gave was that Mistress Tso's brother has an ailment that required the doctor's attention, but we all know they were keeping the doctor to prevent him from tending to Madame Zhang. Fortunately, the men Minglan brought were able to quickly find the doctor and escort him back to Madame Zhang's rooms, but not without Minglan pulling her sword and threatening to harm Mr. So in the process. As they head back after the doctor rushes by, Minglan even actually slices at Mistress So's brother's arm, who was not only insulting Minglan, but was insisting that they keep the doctor. In her fury, Minglan, after slicing at this brother's arm, shouts that she saw this tactic as a child, but she is no longer a child. What a line and what eminence from Minglan, even while pregnant herself. She's clearly doing everything she can to not allow the tragedy from her childhood happen again. And it's really smart that she grabbed that sword. Who knows what would have happened if she did it. But also, isn't it really sad that a pregnant woman has to do all of this? Like, no one's helping her, but she's standing up for herself in order to protect her friend. Madame Zhang's labor continues into the night, but at least by now, the doctor is able to tend to her. Ming Lan is waiting in a chair outside while Madame Zhang's mother is berating Shen Guozhou. Madame Zhang's mother, who is a duchess and will call Duchess of Ying, is understandably furious with her son-in-law as her daughter is suffering whilst in labor. The situation gets worse as we hear cries from Madame Zhang, who may not make it. The duchess rushes over to her daughter, and at this point, the Duke of Ying, Madame Zhang's father, also arrives in full armor. Fortunately, Madame Zhang births a son, and mother and child are both healthy. For now. The episode ends with both the Duke and Duchess berating Shen Guozhou for his treatment of his wife. They want the two to separate so that Madame Zhang can be treated better in the future. The Duke carries his daughter and grandson home as news travels to the Emperor himself the next day at court about the drama that has occurred overnight. I also want to pause that the acting, or I think the overall um, atmosphere of when the Duke of Ying in his state kind of hobbles and brings the family out is very, very touching. It's right now a father who's doing his best to protect his daughter and uh, get her away from the bore of a husband. <laughs> Comments online say that he is the best father in the entire drama just for what he's doing for his daughter at the moment. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 60. We will see in the next episode how and if the Shen family and the Zhang family can settle their disputes. Now, I want to move actually over to um, character analysis. This episode is very plot heavy with a lot of characters introduced. 
So I'll spend time discussing the Wang and Zhang families. Much of this isn't really discussed in the drama or are mentioned in passing, but I think it's crucial to fully understand what's going on between these families. So we'll spend some time here today. Let's first start with the Wang family. So far, we've only really been introduced to the vile Aunt Kang. In episode 60, we are introduced to the rest of the Wang family and some extent the Kang family. The book goes into much more details about the Wang family, so I'll flesh out these two families with both information from the book and the drama. I'll point out book-only details where applicable. Starting off is Grandma Wang. She is the formidable matriarch of the Wang clan, and she married into the Wang family. Her late husband, Minister Wang was a lauded politician and scholar and rose to the rank of a cabinet minister, or Gelao. After his death, it was decreed by the emperor that Minister Wang's memorial tablet was to be moved to the Imperial Ancestral Temple, or Tai Miao. This is an extremely high honor because the people with memorial tablets housed in the Imperial Ancestral Temple will be honored by future emperors. So during large festivals or holidays that even the emperor has to pray to his ancestors, these people will also be prayed to. Now, there's no real benefit to being placed in Tai Miao. It's not like you can pass a title down to your children or are gifted more money. However, it is a huge reputational bump. It opened doors for descendants and people in the capital paid attention to family members of a person or man mainly man, or only men, whose memorial tablet has been moved to the Imperial Ancestral Temple. In Chinese, that phrase is called Pei Xiang Tai Miao. Madame Wang and Aunt Kong constantly use the phrase, my father, Pei Xiang Tai Miao, to show how important the Wang family is. And indeed, the Wang clan is and has been a very respectable scholar family that has produced high-ranking officials. Because of that, they're also very wealthy. Minister Wang and Grandma Wang uh, have three children. The eldest is Uncle Wang. He isn't featured much in both the book or the drama, but we've seen him introduced in today's episode. He didn't inherit much of his father's intellect, unfortunately. According to the book, he didn't grow up with his parents when they were sent for provincial appointments. Although he did pass his imperial exams and is an official, he's only a lowly official who has been appointed to mainly provincial roles. He's very filial and caring of his siblings. And he often has to deal with the aftermath of his younger sister, Aunt Kong's vile deeds, which is not limited to cover-ups and bribes and even worse things. He's married to Aunt Wang, and they have several children, but only one son. This son, Wang Yu, married Aunt Kong's daughter, Kang Yuan'er. If we recall, back in episode 30, late 30s, uh, early episode 40s, Ru Lan was a potential candidate to marry Wang Yu, and Madame Wang was very approving of the match. Aunt Kong, however, stepped in to marry her daughter off first. Okay. Next is the vile Aunt Kang. Unlike her brother, she grew up with her parents and became the spoiled and selfish brat you see here. 
She married Mr. Kang and has three children, one son and two daughters. Kang Jin, her son, which we saw in this episode, is the one who doesn't have much skill, but is an overall okay fellow. Kang Yuer, Aunt Kang's older daughter, married into the Sheng family back in Youyang. She and her husband Sheng Changwu get a lot more book time, but are barely referenced in the drama. They're very happily married, but in the book, Kang Yuer does receive the wrath from the family members when her mother's evil plots come to light that we will discover later on. Finally, we have Kang Yuer, Aunt Kang's younger daughter. She is married to Wang Yeo, the son of Uncle Wang we just talked about. Kang Yuer inherited all of her mother's worst traits and has a terrible relationship with her aunt and uh, mother-in-law. We don't see any of that in the drama, but these are just contexts to uh, fill out the, the family of uh, Aunt Kang. Next, we move to Madame Wang, wife of Sheng Hong. As the youngest daughter to Minister Wang and Grandma Wang, she is kind of the child that was left behind. She was raised by her maternal aunt and uncle until the age of 10 in the countryside. She returned back to the capital when her parents returned from their appointments. At home, Madame Wang was always in the shadow of her haughty older sister and was extremely self-conscious of her quote-unquote country upbringing. She did have a harder time integrating into social circles, and she knew that she was not as intelligent nor as beautiful as her older sisters and cousins. When it came to the topic of marriage, Grandma Sheng brought Sheng Hong to request a hand in marriage for any of the two Wang daughters. This was actually a very bold ask because of three reasons. Number one, Sheng Hong was a Shu Chu son who dared ask for the hand of a Di Chu daughter of the well-renowned Wang family. Number two, Sheng Hong at this point didn't pass his imperial exams. I don't think he did. He was well on his way, but he hadn't passed them as Changbai had. With no immediate prospects of fortune or political standing, what did Sheng Hong have to offer the Wang family? And number three, the rest of the Sheng family are all merchants. As we've mentioned before, merchants are the lowest class in Chinese society apart from slaves and unmentionables. The only things going for Sheng Hong were, one, Grandma Sheng. She's the daughter of a marquis, and she was making the ask for the hand in marriage on behalf of her Shu uh, Chu son. So again, no blood relation. Grandma Sheng's station still holds some clout. And number two, Sheng Hong was a pretty good looking fellow. That's it. On paper, Sheng Hong basically had nothing to offer. Minister Wang did not approve of the match, but surprisingly, Grandma Wang did. She defied her husband's wishes and approved the match. In a surprising twist, it was Aunt Kang who was supposed to marry Sheng Hong. Grandma Sheng and Sheng Hong didn't really care which daughter. They wanted to marry a daughter of the Wang family. Aunt Kang, however, thought Sheng Hong was beneath her and dismissed him. She shortly after saw Uncle Kong from behind a panel, and it was love at first sight. Well, mainly because he was a very handsome young man at that time and came from a good family. 
The rest is, well, the basis of our story here. Madame Wang married Sheng Hong. Aunt Kong married Uncle Kong. Because Grandma Wang agreed to Sheng Hong's marriage, Grandma Sheng and Sheng Hong have always been very grateful to the Wang family. The Wang family did indeed pave a smooth path for this son-in-law in many of his official appointments. However, it's not as though Sheng Hong hasn't reciprocated. Sheng Hong has already paid much of that back in kind as seen by his and his sons Changbai's current successes. So, in summary, Aunt Kong is a spoiled brat, the Sheng family is indebted to the Wang family, and the two Wang siblings are decent enough people, if just not very intelligent. All of this isn't really mentioned in the drama. The details really do come from the book. And phew, did you get all of that? <laughs> I think it's super helpful to have this context. The other family we'll talk about is the Zhang family. Madame Zhang hails from the powerful Zhang family, and her father is the Duke of Ying or Ying Guogong. This family is known for their loyalty on the battlefield and has served the empire for generations. The Zhang clan, especially the Duke of Ying's family, has been entrenched in the capital for years. They are what you would call old blood. Half of high society in the capital are related some way or another to the Duke's family. The Duke and Duchess had Madame Zhang later in life, which is hinted at in this episode, which is why Madame Zhang is very young compared to her parents. Her marriage to Shen Guozhou was, at its core, a political one. Unfortunately, as we have seen in several episodes, and especially this one, the way the Shen family has handled this marriage is pretty repulsive, and we will skewer this state uncle Shen or Shen Guozhou in the next episode. What is important is this Duchess of Ying, Ying Guogong Furin, has been mentioned throughout the drama as someone who is incredibly uh, hard-headed or very resolute in her own way. And so in this episode, we have seen that this, this Duchess of Ying is very grateful to Minglan for saving her daughter's life. And that is a huge political boon or societal boon for Minglan. Getting on the Duchess of Ying's good side will mean a much smoother path for Minglan in high society in Kaifeng or the, uh, the capital. All right, now let's conclude with book differences. Similar to the last episode, a lot of the conversations were taken directly from the book, but the order of events might have been a bit scrambled. Madame Wang's punishment from Grandma Sheng and Hualan's consolation is basically the same as the book. Madame Qin's evil turn happens a little bit later in the book, but the conversation and result is similar. The conversation between Aunt Kong and her husband is also pretty similar to the book. And I again want to go into a sidebar for these two characters. I know I discussed this a little bit earlier, but I want to also hammer this point. Uncle Kong is at his core a despicable man. He takes concubines left, right, and center, has children, and then promptly discards the women or children at his pleasure. This is more often and clearly articulated in the book. He has no political ambitions and spends all of his wife's money. Aunt Kong 
in both the book and the drama, is correct in saying that much of her troubles stem from him. However, that gives Aunt Kong no right to treat everyone else in the world like dirt, simply because her life isn't fair. I suspect she would be the same regardless of her current marital woes. Aunt Kong is, simply put, an evil woman. In the book, the author actually makes a comparison between Aunt Kong and Grandma Sheng. Both women were dealt pretty bad hands in their marriage, and one person chose to make the most out of it, Grandma Sheng, and brought her family to prosperity, you would say, and the other, Aunt Kong, spends all of her time plotting and scheming to have people killed. Now, the main event of this episode, Madame Zhang's pain to labor and birth of her son, is slightly changed from the book. In the book, Minglan and Madame Zhang at this point aren't amazing friends. She finds, Minglan that is, herself at the Shen Manor because she wanted to drop off some food and happened upon this crazy episode. Madame Zhang had her doctor come in for a regular check-in. Mistress Zhou, of course, drags a doctor for a checkup as well. This time, though, the doctor takes too much time. Madame Zhang comes to investigate and sees that Mistress Zhou's family members are here hogging the doctor's time, too. A scuffle breaks out, and the result is Madame Zhang falls to the ground, and she's hurried off as she goes into labor. In the book, Minglan didn't really have a huge role to play. By the time that Milan arrives, the Duchess of Ying had already arrived, and so has Shen Guozhou, who is utterly useless. Milan does not slash anyone in the book, but she does stay to maintain order in the manor. The Duchess of Ying takes much more of a leading role. Madame Zhang's cries when she finally gives birth are taken straight from the book. The Duke of Ying does rush back to see his daughter, but does not take her home. I think what they've done to change the drama where Minglan is taking a much bigger lead to try to kind of make up for the trauma of her past, I think was very well done, especially given that in the book, she didn't play such a big role. And that is all for this episode. Quite a bit of additional context for us as we learn more about the various characters in the drama, particularly as we go into the end game. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on what was discussed. We are happy to chat about anything and everything Chinese historical dramas. If you are indeed looking for somewhere to watch Chinese dramas, please turn to check out our sponsor, Jubao TV. Um, you can go online to jubaotv.com, which then directs you to online streaming platforms um, to watch various Chinese dramas and movies. We just did an episode of Xuanzang, which was actually quite interesting for last week. If you haven't listened to our podcast or kind of just want something to watch, definitely take a look at that. The um, movie and Jubao TV are also available for those in the U.S. on Xfinity and Cox Contour. The music you heard today is a piece called Lan with sheet music by Bing Jiuwo, Niu Jun, and played by me. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.